our Savior, take your Bibles, if you will, your personal copy of the Word of God right there in the palm of your hand, and turn to the Gospel according to John, the Gospel according to John this morning, right there at chapter number one. Um, I want to say thanks again, and, and, and while I truly hope today's service, I know we are here for Christmas Eve, and I truly hope today's service is a blessing to you, but I hope more so that our gathering, our hearts, our worship this morning can bring a blessing to the Lord can warm his heart. Um, look right there in John chapter 1, verse number 1. Thank you, brother. Verse number 1. The Bible tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the, and the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That would be John the Baptist, of course. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many, praise God, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, or nor the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And notice the parentheses there. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bear witness of him. And cried, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And, and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. I'm going to read this last verse here. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Let's go to our Savior this morning in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. We thank you for allowing us to to be within these walls with a roof over our head, Lord, where it's warm and dry, Lord. All these things put together so that we can worship you this morning, to see you high and lifted up. Lord, I pray you meet with us in a very special way this morning. I pray you help us to ignore the past, maybe maybe put the future on hold, whatever our agendas have for the rest of the day, uh, whether it's tomorrow, whatever it may be, Lord. Help us to, to put life on hold, Lord, so that we can look to the life, look to you this morning and worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. We ask that you meet with us again in a very special way. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, considering some, at some point tonight, we're going to have a candlelight, um, a candlelight service, of course, at 1630, but at some point during that service, nothing will be lighting in this room except for the candles. Uh, and it's easy, I think, to make the connection between that light that we're holding in our hand and, of course, the, the light that God provides, which is the glorious light of Jesus Christ. The light that we will hold tonight in our hands will really just have but a glow. Maybe it'll light up the area around us. Uh, it will be nothing even compared to the ceiling lights that we have here. And even its duration will only be just for a while, maybe, I don't know, a few minutes as the candle burns. But the light that God provides is, is the greatest light. It's the, it's the light of the world, and it shall never be extinguished. John said, or Jesus said, rather, in John eight twelve, 
I am the light of the world. And friends, we are here this morning to celebrate that Jesus is that light, that he came into this world. So as we celebrate Christmas and every Christmas, this Christmas and on and on and on, never lose sight of the fact of why we're doing this. It's not about the lights outside on the trees. It's not about the Christmas marks and the bratwurst, although those things are exciting. I understand that. But it's not about all those things. It's about Jesus Christ. We are here today because of Jesus Christ. Never forget that Christmas is about God's light coming into this world to save us, to give us life. Again, every time we meet, this is our purpose, to celebrate Jesus Christ. So our, our, our gathering, rather, this morning, it's more than just tradition. I mean, and I'm not speaking only of a December 24th tradition. I'm talking about a Sunday tradition. It's more than just meeting every week or meeting during the seasons and stuff like that. Our gathering, again, is about Jesus. If you're here for any other reason this morning, maybe it's tradition, maybe it's because it's what we do, and I'm glad that that brought you here, but don't let that be the reason you're here now. Make it be the reason, make it be Jesus Christ this morning. He is to be our greatest purpose here and in everything that we do. Our greatest goal in life should be Jesus. The greatest reason for this season and for life and for all that we do is Jesus Christ. Again, he is the light of the world. Even if most men choose darkness, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world, and the light still shines. You know, that light will never be snuffed out. Jesus will always be the light. It is, he is eternal. And it's not like Jesus possessed light when he came into this world. It's not like that light was created for Jesus in that manger. He is light. And he has no beginning. Yes, he became a part of our flesh at at, at that birth and the virgin birth and all those things, the conception and all the things that go along with that. But he preexisted Bethlehem. He is light and he has no beginning. In fact, he created the beginning. He created all things. In Isaiah chapter 45, God said that I am the Lord and there is none else. I form the light and I create darkness. So darkness has a beginning. Jesus does not. He has no darkness in him. James chapter 1 states that God is the father of lights, with whom is no variableness, no, no, neither shadow of turning. And John right here, in, 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 um, or 1 John rather, in verse 5 of chapter 1 there says that God is light and in him is no darkness. There is no darkness in God. Therefore, before God created anything, Before there was any creation, there was no darkness and there were no shadows. Only God and only light. But as we know, God did create. We are here, obviously. He created us and we rebelled. And more than just physical light entered into this world, humanity then became engulfed in spiritual darkness. But, praise God, he sent the light. God sent the light. Before the birth of Christ, he, of course, sent maybe we can call them reflections of the true light into the world from time to time with his interventions, maybe, maybe through glimpses, through prophets, through his word, and so forth. But with Jesus, something very different happened. With Jesus, the very source of light came into the world. I am light, and he became one of us. The light, which knew no boundaries, confined himself in the human form of Jesus Christ. And the light shined in darkness. You know, if you study light, uh, 
a couple of us have studied light, and Shannon probably more than most. Um, but the study of light is a complex discipline. Um, and even today, it includes assumptions that are not yet proven. But God, in his word here, gives us some insight on the most important light. And that is the light of the world. And this morning, I want to talk about this, this light, this Jesus Christ. I want to share some things about you, uh, with you about this light. That will be the title of our message this morning, the light of, of the world, the light of the world. Now, we've, we've already mentioned a little bit this morning about creation and that God created darkness. <clears throat> but the Apostle John truly and boldly here teaches right from the beginning of his first epistle, uh, first letter rather, uh, that, or gospel, that Jesus is the creator of all things, not just darkness and other things. Verse 3, I think, sums it up very clear. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. I don't know how anybody gets around that verse. Everything that's made is made by God. And Genesis chapter 1, verse 31 tells us that everything he created was what? Very good. So to put those two verses together, we learn that God created all things without confusion and without chaos. He created a universe with physical light and physical darkness separated. But with the entrance of sin, as we know, and the entrance of wickedness came that spiritual darkness. And in a sense, the physical light that remained, with all the benefits that physical light brings, it became sort of a picture of the true light that God provides. The physical light, therefore, is a picture of the spiritual light. In fact, in the early morning hours, right after Jesus dealt with the woman caught in adultery, y'all remember that passage there in John 8, the sun was probably rising behind him as he said, I am the light of the world. You know, in all points, the world in which we live would be dead without the sun, completely. It'd be gone. No light, no source, no energy, none of those things. In all points, the world would be dead without the sun. And no surprise, we would also be dead without the Son of God. We wouldn't even be here. And spiritually speaking, you and I are dead without Christ, without the Son of God, without the light. You and I need light. Physically and spiritually, we need the light. And it may go without saying, or not without needing to be said, that generally speaking, it's Christians who celebrate light coming into this world, right? Christians celebrate this. And Christians here this morning, among us, we know that the light of the world is in us. We know that he is there. We know by experience the blessings that come with light in our lives. We know the importance of having light in our lives. I mean, through his word, for example, he gives us light for today and for tomorrow. You all know that verse there in Psalm 119, 105, I think it is. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Very clearly, a lamp that shows what's right before us as we look at the things that, that we plan out in our lives. And then the light unto my path shows us the day forward, the next day, and on and on. We need the light. We need the light of the world. But it also goes without being said <clears throat> that there are scores of people who also celebrate Christmas, who do not have the light, who do not have Jesus Christ. And there may be even some here today who are here celebrating Christmas without the light of Jesus Christ. Lost, but looking. I would say the bulk of people celebrating Christmas are lost. I don't know that for sure. I've never done a survey, of course. But I would say that if you are lost in looking, if this is you, know that God loves you. The light was actually sent specifically for you. 
you know, if you ever, you ever write a college paper or something like that, or even in, in high school when you have um, maybe a thesis statement or a purpose statement, I, I think in Luke 19.10, you don't have to turn, I'll read it for you in a moment, but I think that Jesus gives his purpose statement, his own purpose statement for Christmas. It might surprise you, but Luke 19.10 says, speaking of Jesus, speaking of himself, he says, for the Son of Man is come, y'all know the rest of that, to seek and to save that which was lost. His purpose statement for coming into the world, to seek and save that which was lost. The light of the world said that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So if you are here and you're looking for him, if you're looking for light, if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for that complete forgiveness of all of your sin, know that Jesus has already come for you. And that's what Christmas is all about, to bring light into the presence of darkness, one soul at a time, two souls at a time, maybe even three or 3,000 as we learn from the book of Acts. Whatever it may be, Christmas is about light coming into the world. In fact, the lit candle that I referred to tonight, that we will hold, or referred to earlier, that we will hold in our hands tonight, really can be a representation of the true light that's within us. Of the, so Christmas is theologically a celebration of light, which is that true light. I mean, you know the Christmas passage, which we'll come to tonight in Luke chapter 2, but it tells us that the, the glory of the Lord shone round about those shepherds, and they were so afraid. And a few verses later, the Bible says that there was an angel with that first angel, a multitude, or a multitude of angels with that first angel, a multitude of a heavenly host. Now, I don't know about you, but I think there was a lot of light at that advertisement. I don't think the shepherds needed any night vision goggles to, to see the angel there, right? They could see what was going on. I think the whole sky was lit up. From afar, it probably looked similar to maybe the skyline of a, of a major modern city. Maybe then Jerusalem were like, what is, what is going on out there? Light had come into the world. That's what's going on out there. Christ had been born. But here in the text, and, and just like we'd expect from John, he doesn't go through the the details that, that Luke goes through and, and a little bit of Matthew goes through to, uh, to explain the Savior's birth. No, John go, goes right to the theological, right? Not like, right to the heart of the matter, all of those truths surrounding Jesus Christ at his first advent. Notice again this morning what he's wrote in verse number four. He says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. From this verse, I think we pull out a a, a true statement, and that statement is that the light denotes the presence of life. Light denotes the presence of life. First and foremost, this is very true in the person of Jesus Christ. From John 8, chapter 12, we read that he is the light of the world. In John 14, 6, we read that he is the life, and here that he is, that that life is the light of men, all of that coming together, light and life. So in essence, this verse speaks of both physical and spiritual life, for both of those are provided by God. You know, the spark of life that's within every man cannot exist without God. We know that to be true. Life comes from life. Even basic cell theory teaches this. However, that God inspired John to write about more than just physical life, and physical light is clearly evident here in the text. The presence I mean, if you think about this, just this statement here, the presence of physical life is a description of all living creatures. 
Well, the Bible's already talked about that in many areas here, and John, I don't think, is here to simply restate what's going on in Genesis chapter 1. So the presence of physical life would be attributable to all of us. But no, I think what he's doing here is, under the inspiration of God, he's given us spiritual insight on Genesis chapter 1. He's telling us what's really, what's a greater truth than what's there. In one aspect, John is teaching that even though man has fallen, even though sin entered into the world and you and I are under the condemnation of a deserving death, the eternal life that was present in the Garden of Eden is still here today. That same life is still here today. And not only is that life precious, but it is a person. It's the light of men. It's Jesus Christ, of course. He was in the beginning. In him is life, and he still remains. He will never go away. Hebrews 1.11 tells us or records God the Father speaking to the Son about creation, stating that it shall perish. All the, all the worlds will fall away. They'll perish. They'll be folded up like a vesture and so forth. But God to the Son, thou remainest. Thou remainest. And back in our text here, some might ask, how do we know that John is speaking about Jesus? Right? How do we know that? I know that we as Christians, we probably read through this a number of times. Of course he's speaking of Jesus. And you could still come to that conclusion because it would be right. But in the text we see, we can know that Jesus is, or that John is speaking of Jesus. In verse 1, again, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 tells us that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, skip to the end of the parentheses there, full of grace and truth. So verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And then notice the end of verse 17, which tells us that that grace and truth, which was found in the Word made flesh, came by Jesus Christ. So very clearly in the text, we can see that the Word is Jesus Christ. He is the Word, He is life, and His life is the light of men. He is the definition of spiritual light and the definition of spiritual life. One cannot exist without the other. And because of the importance of this truth, we must ask ourselves this morning, do you have the light of the world? You know, think about that light there in the beginning. God said, let there be light, and there was no sun, there was nothing like that, because God is a light. And God is telling us here, John is telling us, that we can have that same light. So do we have the light of the world? Or do we have a false light? You might be thinking, well, how can there be such a thing as a false light? Well, there is. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 23, if the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Does the light within us and the light from us also denote eternal life? Does the light denote eternal life in us? Do we have Jesus Christ? Is the light that is in you the light of the world? And then moving on, I want you to jump down to verse number 5. The Bible tells us that the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So we see that light denotes life, and here we see that light literally divides. Light divides. We get the idea from this text here, with, with Genesis chapter 1 in the background here, we get the idea that there was light in one area, and darkness in another. Jesus said again in John eight twelve, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So in other words, the light of the world shines into the darkness, and those who follow Jesus out from the darkness 
are not in darkness. In fact, Jesus says, they shall have the light. Now, I really hope you caught that well-researched, deep theological, life-changing truth I just mentioned. I want to say it again, as clear as it can be. This is deep theological stuff here. Those who are in the light are not in darkness. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Those who are in the light are not in darkness. Those who have the light of life are not in darkness. Why? Because unlike light and life, light and darkness are incompatible. Light and darkness are incompatible. They cannot exist together. The Greek word that John uses for our English word comprehend is really far-reaching, and it highlights the power of light, not darkness. You see, it conveys the idea that darkness in no way, shape, or form, in any environment, in any time, can do anything to undermine, limit, or control the light. It doesn't even understand light. Even physically speaking, you and I can easily understand how a flashlight works, right? If the batteries are working, the light is working, all those things there, there is nothing the darkness can do to stop the light. We don't walk in with our flashlights into a dark room, well, this is going to be tough. No, we just turn it on. The light, the darkness goes away. It is therefore the purpose of a light source to separate the darkness from the light. Immediately after God said, let there be light, what did he do? Divided the light from the darkness. It's what light does. It divides light from darkness. It penetrates the darkness. It dispels the darkness. It makes things visible. It brings things to the light. It divides. And one of the things we see here that light divides is the believers from the unbelievers. You can see that right here in the text. The text divides those who receive the light from those who do not. Look at these verses here. Verse 5 again says, The light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended at night. A reference to unbelievers. Verses 10 and 11. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. Rejection. He is talking about unbelievers. But of course we have verse 12, which states that as many as received him, To them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Believers, unbelievers and believers, the light divides. Now, I realize that you can walk away saying, well, that pastor just talked about a message of division. And I realize that we supposedly live in a world where everything is tolerated and accepted and any kind of division is completely rejected. But I'm here to tell you this morning that the light of the truth still shines, still divides rather. Truth is truth. And I was, as I was putting this together, I was thinking, if acceptance and tolerance of everything is the righteous approach that we should be taking in this life, why does it seem that we're more divided today than we were just 10 years ago? It doesn't make any sense. Truth is what makes sense. We need light. Right before us here in the text, the Holy Spirit divides believers from unbelievers. But I don't think that's where the application stops. I think there's some more division that we need to look at here. Notice verse 9 again which, speaking of Jesus, states that he was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now, quite frankly, I believe this verse adds weight to the doctrine that every person, regardless of how wicked or rejected they are, can be saved. Every person, according to this verse, has enough light to begin a search for Jesus Christ. But as a believer, how much more light do we have? Do we have the light of the world? Do we have a little bit of the light of the world? Or do we have the light? We have all the light. How much more more light does the believer have to live in this world? And then what are we doing with that light? 
Do we, like Jesus talks about there in Matthew, hide it under a bushel? You know, hide it under a bed? What are we doing with our light? And then I kind of ask myself, who is more responsible? Is the light of men who are unbelievers that God has given them to start that search, are they more responsible or are we more responsible who have actually received that light and have the light of the world within us? Well, I think that we are more responsible. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, that unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. Now, I'm not trying to be unkind or anything this morning, but I want to encourage us in a way that draws us close to the Lord. What are we doing with that light? And whilst light separates believers from unbelievers, it also separates the good from that which is bad in our lives. Light is a discerner, which we'll come back to, but think about what we're doing with that light. So we're going we're gonna to look at light as a discerner within us, but before we get to that, what is, as a church, what are we responsible for um, because we have that light? I mean, can you imagine having a light that always works and walking around? I, I've shared this story before about when electricity goes out in Tennessee, what seems to be all the time when a, when, a, when a storm comes through, and everybody has their flashlight going through Kroger or whatever it may be. Everybody follows the light because they need the light. What are we doing with the light? We have the light of the world within us. And if there's ever a time to share the gospel light, is it not Christmas? When God came into this world to celebrate that, people are maybe a, a little bit more sensitive to the gospel during this time. Why do you have these lights? Why do you have this tree? Why do you give gifts? Why do you celebrate life? Because of Jesus. We are to share that light. Light is to be shared. Light is also, again, as we've mentioned, a discerner. Light discerns. Light discerns. You know, if the true light lights every man that comes into the world, what does the presence of that light mean for believers? Looking inward. I think it means many things. I mean, and the Bible even talks about many things. But in the greater context of John's gospel, just flip a few pages over to chapter 3. And John here, and pretty much still in the same context of him writing, right after his, his prologue, he goes into you know, the importance of, uh, of baptism and so forth and so many other things. But he gets to John chapter 3, and verse number 20, kind of gives us what the purpose of light is, what, what this light discerns. In verse number 20 of John chapter 3, he says, Everyone that doeth evil hates the light. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So we see again a division, those who want to do the truth and those who don't do the truth. But also we see that light brings our deeds out into the open. Light brings our deeds out into the open. You know, I've worked on cars and, and, and many other places and uh, many other things, right? When, when the sun starts to go down, I have this light that, that I use in my garage, and it just, you actually see things, you know? I've actually looked for, you know, maybe a screw that I dropped on the ground that was very, very important for a good three or four minutes and realized I have a light. And then I go turn it on, and there it is. You know, we, we need that light. Light brings our deeds out into the open. It brings all things out into the open. And he that is of the truth, according to this passage here, wants his deeds in the light so that he can make sure they are wrought in God. We are to allow the light within us to be a discerner of what is holy and what is not. The rest of that verse in John chapter 8, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world, 
he concludes with saying, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Again, light synonymous with life. But reading that passage, as a Christian, I think Jesus is taking this, this concept of, of discipleship a bit further than the modern understanding of Christianity. Notice again, he that followeth me, there in John 8, 12, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So we get the idea that while our, save, our, our salvation is indeed by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, walking in the light is connected to following Jesus Christ. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Along this same thought, in John's epistle, he wrote that he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. 1 John 2, 9 says, He that saith he is in the light, he that saith he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness. So putting these truths together, we get some good application. We cannot follow Jesus and hate our brother at the same time. It's not there. We cannot walk in light and walk in darkness at the same time. And here, I think, is where the application of this truth should be, in my opinion, the easiest part of the sermon, but the easiest part of application to my own life, but it's just not. People of the light don't need to be persuaded to bring their deeds to the light, or they shouldn't. Look at Jesus' words there. He that doeth truth, back in um, John chapter 3, he that doeth truth cometh to the light. He that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The people of God, you and I, who have the light, we are to want our deeds. We are not to be inclined to hide them. We are to be more inclined to have them out in the open. The people of God want their deeds done for God's glory, so they bring them into the light. And as you and I approach this celebration of Christmas, as we approach the light coming into the world, that should pique our interest. Why? Because we want to celebrate Jesus Christ. We want to worship Him. And if I can put it this way, I don't think we can truly worship God if we are walking in darkness. We can't even comprehend the light when we are in darkness. We need to come to the light. When we are not living right for the Lord and we come to a Christmas service or, or to an Easter or any kind of church service and we're there to worship Jesus Christ, if we're living in sin, if we're walking in darkness, we have that light, no doubt, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, but it's like you're worshiping with a blindfold on. Take the blindfold off and bring these things into the light of Jesus Christ. And furthermore, for those who do not know Christ, it really makes no sense to celebrate Christmas without Christ. In fact, you cannot worship the light of the world sitting in darkness. It is foolishness to try, especially when that light is available to every man. It's so easy to, to receive. And remember, we didn't speak too much about this, but remember the light of God's Word is paramount in learning the discernment. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God, it's kind of unique, it ties into there to John chapter 1, but the Word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It tells us what's right and wrong in our lives. It's like a mirror. We look into the mirror, and the Word tells us where we need to correct. God's light is a discerner. God's light 
as we kind of close this morning, God's light divides truths from untruths. God's light denotes the presence of life, and God's light is the light of men. And our purpose for gathering this morning is to worship him. It's simply to worship him. He is to be our greatest purpose, our greatest goal. He is not only the greatest reason for the season, he is the very reason for the season. He is God. He is the light of the world. And with that, let's close in a word of prayer this morning.